0: Hello, and welcome to the Comfort Connections podcast. In this episode, technology-supported care for medication management, we are joined by Brad Massey, the owner of Comfort Care Home Care in Austin, Texas, and Gia Lee Thornton, who is a doctor of pharmacy and the chief operating officer and co-owner of Connected Home Living. Welcome, Gia and Brad. Thank you for joining our listeners today. Thank you for having us.
1: Hi, glad to be here.
0: Gia, from your professional experience, can you please share what is meant by the term polypharmacy and how it may impact older adults?
2: Yes. Polypharmacy is usually the reference to multiple medications in a patient, very commonly the older adult. There's really no universal agreed definition of polypharmacy, but it can be described in three different groups. You have excessive polypharmacy when you have the concurrent use of 10 or more different drugs. And then polypharmacy in general usually refers to the use of more than five medications. So you have the polypharmacy and then you have excessive polypharmacy. And anything less than five medications is not really considered polypharmacy. But it's particularly important and concerning in older patients for for multiple reasons. The, The main one is because of the adverse effects. When you get older, the composition of your body changes and the pharmacokinetics, which means how your body absorbs the drugs, how your body distributes the drugs, metabolizes and eliminates all changes. So in elderly patients, you have an increase or a decrease in how they absorb the medication or an increase and decrease in how the medication is metabolized but particularly how the the medication is eliminated. So you're either holding on to the drug or excreting the drug more or less than your average patient. And that's why it's so important, the impact in the elderly. Um, Of course, with those changes in the body composition comes additional drug interactions and then prescribers, additional medications to try and take control of those drug interactions and adverse reactions and that's what we call a prescribing cascade when you're prescribed more meds to treat adverse drug uh adverse reactions on other meds you know and then those adverse drug reactions are sometimes misinterpreted as a new medical condition instead of exactly what it is it's just a drug event so there are multiple reasons, and particularly in the elderly, mainly because of the change in body composition, but also because we, they tend to be on more medications because of this prescribing cascade. So it's a, a vicious circle that we're constantly experiencing with the elderly.
0: Thank you so much for this overview. Understanding polypharmacy and how it impacts older adults is essential to provide the best care possible. Thinking about care strategies, Brad, could you share how professional caregivers help implement a specialized plan for self-medication management for older adults, either living at home or independent living?
1: Yeah, of course. Most of the time, um, we get drawn in as professional caregivers when there's been an event at home, a heart attack, a stroke, a fall, um, you know, something of that nature where The patient, typically the senior patient, goes to the hospital, they spend two to five days in the hospital, then they leave the hospital, they go to inpatient rehab, they're there for seven to 14 days, and then they go home. You can imagine uh, uh, somebody at 70 years of age who is already on a lot of medication, goes through that trauma, and then... Uh, while they're in the hospital, their medications may get changed, altered to some degree. When they go to rehab, uh, they may even get changed again. Uh, and then they get home and, and they've got a uh, medicine cabinet full of medications, which now may be changed slightly or significantly. And so one of the things that we have to do is compare the the new list of medications that they're on with what they're already what's in the medicine cabinet and go through with uh help from the family and the pharmacist and understand what we're going to eliminate what needs to be thrown out you got to remember somebody at uh, 70 or more years of age has been uh, inundated with a lot of information from doctors and nurses and therapists etc they're not going to reach Necessarily remember all the directions on what changes were taking place. So, you know, in order to to make sure somebody gets the best start at home, we need to go through and and make sure what they've got is the current and and best available for them.
0: Brad, it sounds like a specialized or personalized approach to self medication management certainly enhances the care and overall quality of life for the older adult. Gia, can you provide a brief overview of Connected Home Living's approach to supporting older adults specifically for self-medication management? Absolutely. You know, at Connected Home Living, we offer multiple different telehealth
2: programs, but they all really have one basic component, and that is to review the medication list for the most common drug interactions you know, for specifically for the elderly, there are about 10 medication classes that you just want to avoid. So every new patient that comes to us has their medication list reviewed by our clinical team. And our clinical team consists of pharmacists, nurses, physicians. We review these medications specifically targeting those 10 classes of meds. Um, our pharmacy team will review the administration time. That's a really big culprit, especially for those patients that are more prone to falls. Um, but you have, have multiple medications that a patient's on from different prescribing sources. Um, but as Brad mentioned, you know, when you have medications at home from different physicians at different times, you don't necessarily remember what to keep and what not to keep, Um, you know, I've personally been into patients home where there is actual entire kitchen cabinet, three shelves of medications, some dating back to the 80s, you know, (laughs) and and, I I giggle a little bit because, you know, this particular patient was a pack rat. He just didn't like to throw anything away. But, you know, there are a handful of medications after X number of years, they can become dangerous, Uh, more dangerous, now that they've disintegrated and, and been on the shelf for so long, particularly drugs like nitroglycerin, right? So th- these are the things that our pharmacy team does. We, we look for possible drug interactions. We work with the caregiver team um, to make sure that medications that they have in the home are only the ones they're supposed to be on currently. You know, patients tend to be pack rats and hoard medications just in case. You know, I, I love the just in case it's needed somewhere down the road, you know. But are you going to remember what doctor gave that to you and for what it was, you know, what it was for? Um, so we work with the caregiver team and then we work with the nursing team and the provider team uh, to, to see if there are duplications of drugs. Um, a lot of times, what, if a patient's come out of the hospital, they will have changed a patient's medication while they were in the hospital to something that is on the hospital formulary but it's the same classification drug because it's for whatever reason economically or clinically more appropriate for that patient while they were in the hospital but when they leave the insurance company won't necessarily pay for the name of that drug so then they're prescribed something else yet now you've got two different drugs working in the same exact class and the patient doesn't realize that you know when when you're counseled on your medications as you're leaving the hospital you're given a gigantic stack of papers you know you are and within that stack of papers are some discharge instructions and information on the medication but i can promise you 90 percent of the patient population does not take the time to sit there and read each one and even if they did are they going to know that this medication is actually the same classification of the drug of the ones they have at home? No. So that's why working directly with the caregiver is critically important. And if for some reason there is a change needed, we would work specifically with the patient's primary caregiver or primary care provider, the PCP, and if an immediate change is needed, we work with our internal provider group. We have physicians and nurse practitioners. They're able to make those clinical changes. And then we all provide updates to the patient's primary care provider. So everyone is on the same page. So any work that we do, recommendations in changing the admin time, recommendations in changing the drug dose, recommendations in changing the um, the therapeutic class of a medication, checking for drug interactions, checking for adverse drug reactions, um, and any changes we've made to the medications because of that review through our provider team, we make sure all primary care or primary care providers of the patient are informed. Not just the cardiologist, but the general practitioner and sometimes there's neurologists on board. It's unfortunate, but we don't have a process in place where we have like a universal EMR, you know, the electronic medical record. So the cardiologist doesn't necessarily know what the primary is doing. And the primary doesn't necessarily know what the neurologist is doing. All of that information relies on the patient history or the patient recollection of their history. And that doesn't always work. There are tools that people use. Um, people write. I, I've seen people write things down. I've seen people brown bagging it, and that's when they take all their medications, dump it in a bag, and take it with them to each physician's office. But for whatever reason, sometimes a wrong medication gets put in the bag. Sometimes one doesn't get put in. But the the record isn't accurate. With Connected Home Living, we have a universal list. We have one list of medications. And that's updated because we ask the patient, you know, when we check in with them, when the caregiver leaves the the home, Conducted Home Living will, in between those visits, make sure there aren't any issues to address. And part of that checking in is, have you had any changes to your medication in the past week? So our list is constantly updated. And then we will fax that information to all of the patient's physicians or nurse practitioners before their appointment so there's one consistent list now whether or not the provider's office is able to update their own records we unfortunately don't have any control over that but our services at connected home living provides that medication reminder provides the consistency but also provides that ability for the for direct changes to the medications if needed at no additional cost to the
0: patient. Thank you, Gia, for this overview. Brad, so how does your location and professional caregivers leverage technology to support effective self-medication management?
1: It's a great question, and I, I appreciate Gia's um, comprehensive overview and, and the focus on, on what medication does for people and how they interact together. I, I recall uh, Deepak Chopra being an interviewed one time where he said, you know, I realized that I had patients that were on four or five or six medications for their ailments. And he said, and then they were on five or six or seven addition, additional medications for the side effects of the first medications. So it's, you know, Gia's um, contribution is invaluable to for people who live their best life at, at Comfort Care. That's what we want people to do. And so, you know what? Virtual, what we see, how we see virtual care is, is when a caregiver can't be personally there and and the cost of caregiving has gone up over the last few years for a number of reasons. And the idea that virtual care using technology um, in order to be able to face to face see somebody, uh, be able to um, uh, uh, map. Uh, their routines, and be able to identify trigger warnings when somebody's routine is out of whack. For example, uh, normally somebody gets up at 8 a.m. every morning. That's their routine. Uh, All of a sudden, they're not up at 8 a.m. They're not up at 8.30. They're not up at 9 a.m. There may be something going on there, and through um, uh, virtual care, it triggers a system that starts the escalation path. Maybe we want to uh, call the family uh, to check in and see if anything's different, um, and and uh, additional uh, um, uh, escalation paths from there. Uh, if we, you know, call the client, call the family, call the patient, uh, and if need be, call nine one one. So um, virtual care is really being integrated into what was once in my business, it was just uh, home care. Somebody was on site with the client, with the patient, and helped them with their activities of daily living throughout the day. Um, now we've got the ability to reduce the overall cost and uh, catch things that, you know, typically a caregiver, while they're um, trained in how to do personal care, how to lift and, and help clients be mobile, Uh, ensure or minimize any kind of fall, um, uh, any kind of fall possibility, uh, they're not trained the way Gia's team is and in what a new medication might affect somebody or may not. Um, You know, I just had a situation with the client um, who went through the whole thing we talked about, hospital, rehab, um, got new medications, got home. She developed a UTI. And... Uh, and so nobody in her, her, uh, orbit, um, was able to figure out what was going on and what the, what the cost and reason for that. We didn't know the reason was we knew something was going on. And then in talking with, uh, her doctor, we figured out to, UTI. So what used to be, a uh, caregiver visually noticing or audio noticing what's going on now with virtual care. They're able to pick up um, uh, triggers that are different in the routine. I think it's a fabulous blend of of uh, providing people the best opportunity to live their best life for as long as they want.
0: Brad, can you share a few considerations for self-medication management to keep in mind when a patient or resident is transitioning to home or independent living?
1: You, you know, we just went through the, the process of what GIA does to ensure that Uh, Once you transition home, all the work that goes into making sure medication's right, including primary care physician, understanding what new medications there are. And then so now it is um, the details. Uh, Are you taking medications once a day, twice a day, three times a day, four times a day? Are there medications that you need to eat before you take? Are there medications you need to take on an empty stone? uh, and so all of those things have to be uh, understood and in the care plan so that the caregiver reminds the, uh, we call clients, uh, medical community, calls and patient, uh, the caregiver reminds when to take, whether it's with a meal and, uh, and you know, how many times a day. So it's, it, you, you get it right the first time when you go through the trauma, whatever that was, it caused you to be at the hospital or transition to a new home that's traumatic enough for all of us. We're, we're changing where we live. Um, and then once we get it right, we got to get on a routine of when to take it, how to take it, and under what circumstances.
0: Dia, can you share some additional considerations? Yes, absolutely. I, I can't emphasize enough what
2: Brad said about it starts with the care plan, and it's so critically important to get it right the first time. Um, That is the foundation that everything is built on. And so if it's not done correctly the first time around, then you have another set of cascading events that could lead up to that. But that care plan and when to take the medications, how to take medications, it's really, really important because it affects not only the efficacy of the drug, meaning if the drug is going to work and how well it works, but it also affects the reaction, the patient's reaction to the body as well. Unless the patient has a 24-hour caregiver at home, you know, the timing of the medication is critical. You know, part of what we do at Connected Home Living is we have that ability to connect to the patient through that technology, whether it's video, smartphone, telephone, but our caregivers are there, our, our remote care coordinators are there to physically through a video remind the patient we have some patients that um we actually have to do direct observed therapy meaning we have to watch them take their medications um back in the days of the hospital when we would have to have our employees take medications because of some preventative something or another we would have to walk around with and i'm probably dating myself here a push cart um and medications in a cup, you know and go to every employee, make them take their medication and open their mouth and show us. <laughs> and that's exactly what we do with these patients. So we, we have some patients that we make sure take their medications. It's not enough for them to answer yes or no that they've taken it. And we can tell because they can answer yes that they've taken the medication, but then they go to take their vital sign and it doesn't match that they've taken their medication the beauty of the technology with this program is that we see the details that patients and caregivers may not necessarily think about like the time of the medication in conjunction to when they've eaten meals right or the time of the medication in conjunction to when they've actually taken the vital sign so in in addition to what brad said working with the pharmacist team and having a plan up front is the single most important part of the success of transitioning a patient from home or uh, from wherever they are uh,
0: in a to home. Thank you both for sharing these considerations with our listeners. Now, thinking about self-medication management and care transitions, can you both share some strategies to consider for enhancing health outcomes for older adults across the care continuum? Yeah, I mean the the continuity
2: of care has always been a challenge in uh, the healthcare field. You know, as a pharmacist, and I've probably worked in five different fields of pharmacy over my career. Uh, I see the same consistent but unfortunate outcomes in every field of pharmacy. And that is the lack of continuity of care. The the patient from the primary care provider to the hospital provider to the home, between the insurance companies, the multiple pharmacies, the home health nurses, the home care nurses and aides and caregivers, there are so many people involved in a patient's care But the problem is that they are unable to consistently and transparently talk to each other. That is the single largest deficiency in healthcare. It's not that they don't have providers. It's not that the providers don't give the best care that they can. It's the talking to each other, right? You, You just have too many chefs in the kitchen. And so what we like to do is we like to at least provide some tips, some medication safety tips that will help eliminate some of those problems. So if you create an, an up, and maintain an up-to-date medication list, even though these multiple providers and caregivers have different computer systems, at least there's a central depot, right? At Connected Home Living, we are that central depot. So we're able to keep An up-to-date medication list that we can provide to anyone at any time with the patient's consent. The the medication organizers, the ability to pre-sort the medications for the week, for the month, is extremely important. That way you don't have any mix-up of medications you're supposed to take for the morning and the evening. If they're already sorted and put in these little organizers, it makes a huge difference. Um, medication storage you know there are some medications that you have to keep refrigerated some medications that you have to keep in a um, light protected and so make sure when you get one of those medication organizers that they are compliant with the light protection part Um, because if you have one that doesn't and you and you happen to have one medication that requires that then the potency of that medication will decrease But if you buy an organizer that is like protected and none of the medications require, it's not going to affect it. You see what I'm saying? So err on the side of cautious for that. And then the usage, Um, a lot of times, especially with inhalers, we see that the patients aren't actually using the inhalers correctly. With our video technology, we can watch the person using the inhaler. And if for some reason they're not using it appropriately, we can work with the providers to make sure that they have assistance like the little spacers to help with the medication. So information, education, um, our technology also provides videos on understanding the disease, disease state, understanding medications and how they might affect the body, education, organization, and transparency. Those are my takeaways for any extra considerations in order to improve patient outcomes. I just want to say, you know, talk, talk about in the
1: continuum of care, um, and, and we look at it through a different lens as Gia does, and, and she's done an excellent detailed job of, of laying out what medication uh, does. And then, then we take the whole scope of how a person lives day to day, Um, You know, we think about clients uh, with dementia and how uh, they can't remember if they took a medication or not. And so the idea of virtual uh, support technology uh, to help recognize and and help redirect and do that is a fantastic uh, complement to what we're doing. Uh, We talk about um, falls, for example and some of the uh, fall awareness technologies, not fall prevention, because really nobody can prevent a fall, but, um, uh, but if somebody falls, the worst thing is uh, that they don't lay there undetected for any, uh, any length of time. So, you know, how do we use virtual technology to ensure that that event is addressed quickly? Um, and we talk about continuation of care, And and when a caregiver is not there twenty four hours a day, and we move from uh, caregiver shows up in the morning uh, when family's been taking care of client overnight, what's the transition look like there? Uh, You know, I got to go back to the dementia client, and families don't really understand that disease. Don't really understand the impact of the disease on their loved ones: their mother, their father, and so they've always you know they. They think and want their mother and father to be the same person they've always been. So the continuation of care, oftentimes, a caregiver walks into a escalated situation uh, because a continuation of care isn't around the clock, twenty four hours a day. So we're we're left to to kind of free that up. And again, the virtual care component can help us understand triggering um, events. Uh, that gives us an opportunity to train and teach families and, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, help the overall care uh, be, be, uh, be what the client wants, what the family wants to, for their loved one.
0: Gia and Brad, thank you so much for joining us today. It is exciting to hear how professional caregivers are using technology to support older adults in managing their medications. Listeners, visit ComfortConnections.com to download complimentary resources. You can also view our show notes and access our episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast on your favorite app. Thank you for listening and helping older adults live the best life possible.